Hello, this is Pastor Galen from the First Nazarene Church in Chicago, and welcome to our podcast. Hey, before we hear the message today, I simply wanted to say that no matter where you're at, we're glad that you're listening today. We hope this message will inspire you, instruct you, and help you grow in your relationship with Jesus. And if you live in the Chicagoland area, maybe this is the first step for you joining us in person sometime. Or if you want to, you can always check out our online live services every Sunday on our website at firstnaz.cc. Thanks again for joining us. Enjoy the message. Welcome to First Nazarene Church. Thank you for being here today. You saw that great catch. That was scary for a second. I thought I was going to drop it. Thank you for joining us uh, for church here today at First Nazarene. Uh, For those of you that are here every week, it is always great to see your smiling faces. For those of you that may be uh, new to our church, thank you for being a part of our service today. I hope that you find a community who loves you, uh, and this is a place that would point you to Jesus. As you're asking the larger uh, questions of life and faith, why am I here? Uh, what is my purpose? Is all this on accident? This would be a place where you'd encounter the God who made you and who loves you and can help you live. And so thank you for being a part uh, of our church this morning. Um, like Pastor Phil said today, uh, we'll actually wrap up our Your Family Matters series. We've been taking the last, I think it's five or six weeks together to talk about uh, the matters of our family. How do we live in relationship with one another? Uh, I believe every week we come in and each one of us, even if you're at different parenting stages, phases, single, grandparents, whatever it may be, uh, each time we hear from the word, we're challenged that we believe that God's spirit is among us, and maybe it's just one thing from the message that would stick out to you. God, what are you challenging me? How do you want me to live? Uh, and so we, we hear that uh, today and in this series. And now today, wrapping it up, if you are taking notes uh, with a message called Beyond Your Capacity. Uh, before we jump into the message, you know, just uh, two quick things. First of all, church, I just want uh, to let you know how much I love you. Uh, you know, there's different times where you may feel the urge to, like, yell something out in service. Most of the time, it's like, amen, like, that's great, that's great. Uh, this morning in particular, I would ask you to refrain from um, letting me know the score of the Chiefs game that is currently happening right now. I'm from Kansas, big Kansas City Chiefs fan, and for some reason they chose to play right now in the morning in Germany, and church, I just want to let you know, I could be doing other things at this moment, but I love you, and I'm here for you. There's no place I'd rather be uh, than with you. Uh, second, oh, and just for accountability, if you see my wife on her phone, Patrick Mahomes is on her fantasy team, so if she's here on her phone, you can call her out and tell her to put it away and listen to the message. That'd be great. Uh, the second thing I told you a little bit about last week, but uh, our 24, our gathering, this is 24 hours of prayer. We would love for you to participate within that. As a church in this year, we've uh, called, I've called the church that we would commit to the work of planting. Planting seeds, trusting God for the fruit. And our participation in this is to be a people who are praying, people of prayer, that people that don't know Jesus would come to know Jesus and enter into a relationship with him, pray, and then invite, that we would be inviting people into the life of the church. Maybe it's a service, maybe it's life group, it's an act of service that we're doing for the community, whatever it is, that we'd be people who invite, pray, invite, engage, that we would engage in the ministries, that we would serve, that we would be in life groups, and that we would invest, that we would give generously to see God's work go forward, his mission uh, accomplished, and lives changed and transformed from the good news of Jesus. So as a part of that, we've had some prayer gatherings this year, and now our final kind of gathering of prayer uh, isn't so much a gathering, because it's wherever you might find yourself. I would encourage you to join us to pray 
for 15 minutes. And what you can do is you can sign up for a time slot and see what 15 minutes of that 24 hours has not yet been claimed and choose and say, for that 15 minutes, I'm gonna set aside everything else. I'm gonna pray. I'm gonna pray for my family, for our church, for the communities that we serve, and for our country. Even if you're new to church or Honestly, even if you're new to prayer and you're like, yeah, I don't, can't really pray, that 15 minutes is a long time to think about praying, I would encourage you to sign up. Um, before the event, I will email you kind of a prayer prompt, and so it will lead you through maybe the different things to pray for. And I would encourage you to do it. Last week, I, I shared with you, uh, and a total of 33 of us signed up, which was great. It was amazing to see people who maybe haven't engaged in other things say, hey, I, I'm going to set that time aside to pray. Yet if we're gonna cover 24 hours, we need 96 people to do it. And I look around the room right here, and there are more than 96 people obviously in the room. And uh, basically this is a spirituality contest between first service and second service. We'll find out who the more spiritual, no. Uh, but I would encourage you to sign up uh, to pray. And some of you already saw scan the code on the screen. It's in the app, you can click on it. Uh, if you don't have the app, if you're new to us, that QR code on the seat back in front of you, uh, you can sign up for it there to join us in just a few weeks as we pray. So today, beyond your capacity, specifically if you're a parent with kids in the home, I would encourage you more than just today's message uh, to dive into maybe this book. It's called Parenting Beyond Your Capacity. Reggie Joyner, a phenomenal book if you want to hear more or dive deeper into this, uh, to pick that up, or Pastor Bob's background notes on the info wall uh, to help you live this out. This idea of capacity. Do you ever live life and feel like I am at the end of my capacity? Or phrased differently, I feel like I've got nothing left to give. And there are people that need more from me, whether it's my workplace or my family or in whatever area, but I've got nothing left to give. Maybe you work as hard as you can at your job, and you come home and you're as present as you can be with your family. But by the time you put your head on your pillow at night, you just feel like, I don't have enough to be the kind of parent that I need to be, to be the employee I need to be, to be the spouse that I need to be, to be the person that I need to be. What do we do when we're at the end of our own capacity? In this series, as we've talked about uh, a lot of different weeks of parenting and showing up for our families and living and loving relationships with our family, I kind of want to end this series by saying, what if we're doing everything we can possibly do from our families, but then we recognize it's not enough? How do we live, how do we parent beyond our own capacity? Because ultimately, the greatest investment we will ever make is not in something we do, but it's in the people that we will raise or the people that we will influence. How do we influence them beyond just our own capacity. And today, the bottom line up front, I'd say to raise a family to have character and courage, you need to widen your circle. To raise a family, maybe those in your family or those that become family to you, to raise them of character and courage, to be people of integrity, to have great values, to follow the Christ-like way of living, to live as Jesus did, if we're going to raise them in this way. And then to have courage, to be different than the rest of the world, especially the young people today in the coming generations. As you look at scripture, we are supposed to be the called out ones, the holy ones, the ecclesia, different from the rest of the world. How do we live differently? How do we love God and love our neighbors and stand out not in opposition to the world, but as we love them? If you're gonna raise them with character and courage, how do we do this? I'm reminded this morning of uh, scriptures and instructions. 
You know, when God is taking his people from slavery in Egypt, and he's liberated them, and now they're moving to this place that's the promised land, scripture calls it, a land flowing of milk and honey. It's almost this place of riches and where you can be settled and you won't have to serve other people. He says, where you lived, there were gods, there were nations, there were people that did things that God would not be pleased with. And where you're going, it's another culture where there'll be other gods and values and ways you shouldn't live. So before you get there, I'm gonna take you up on a mountain give you the Ten Commandments plus many other laws. This then is how you should live. You should know who your God is and also the best way to live life. Know this before you go in there. And so God begins to tell you, this is the best way to live. Here are the commands that I'm giving to you. And he says these words, and if you follow the Lord's command, it will go well with you. I love those lines, even for us today. And this is how he tells us to pass it on in Deuteronomy 6. He says, listen, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God. The Lord is one. This is who God is. So here's our response. Love the Lord your God with all of your heart and your soul and with all of your strength. Jesus later calls this the greatest commandment. These commands that I give you today are to be on your hearts. It's to live within you. Impress them on your children. When I read that this week, impress them on your children. Impress uh, the first definition is like, ooh, that's impressive. That's amazing. And I'm impressed by that. But secondly, impress. To like push down upon so that it would leave a mark. It almost made me ask the question this week, those that are close to us, maybe it's our children, but also our family, is the marks of our faith affecting them? Are they different today because of what we believe what we hear in church do we actually practice and put into uh, application into our life so that it begins to change even those around us. It says, impress them on your children. Teach your children the commands. And it goes on, and it says this. Talk about them. Go ahead and go to the next one for me. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Kind of sounds like all the time, and I think that's the point. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. I was teaching from this passage uh, one time, and a wife came up to me after service, and it says that we're supposed to have the Lord's word, so like scriptures and God's commands and God's promises. We're supposed to have that in our homes, on our door frames, on our gates. It's supposed to be visible, right? So like, pastor, let me just be clear here that you as my pastor said I need to do that. So basically you told me that after church today, I need to go to Hobby Lobby and you know all those signs with all the scriptures on them and all the wonderful things and they're beautiful and I've just been looking for an excuse to buy them and pastor today, through you, the Lord just said, you told me pastor that I need to go. When I tell my husband, will you have my back in this? (laughs) And frankly, I was like, go for it. Yes, I love it, go do it. Because if we can put things in our homes that maybe even before our kids can read, they would look at that and say, Mommy, Daddy, what does that say? What does that mean? It gives us an excuse to share God's word with them. It gives them an excuse to teach them the scriptures. I think when we pass our faith on to the next generation, it should be visible, things that they can see, and maybe even just from the very start there, talk about it. What if even in our own, we don't understand everything, we don't know everything, but what if we just kept talking about God with our kids and with our grandkids? And most of us shy back. I don't want to talk to God. I don't even know what I think about God. I definitely don't have all the answers. What happens when they ask me a question that I don't know the answer to? 
I think you should feel comfortable and confident and be able to say, listen, I'm not sure all the answers. And if you have your own relationship with God, you can say, but here's what I know. God loves me. He's here for me, and I'm going to keep seeking him. And as I do, he says, if you keep seeking, you will find. And so I'm seeking the answers to those things, and I'm not sure. But keep talking about it. Ask him, how has God been good to you lately? What has God given you now that you can be thankful for? If we were going to pray for one person today, who would it be? Keep talking about the things of faith, and it will pass on. But what happens when it's our own influence isn't enough? Today, we need to widen our circle. We need people around us as a community to remind those that we love of the biblical values. I think of it this way. You know, when you were a kid, you probably had a favorite teacher that you looked up to. Anybody, like, you think of and you can remember your favorite teacher we kind of had these mentors or wise people built into our lives a little bit more. Oh, as the teacher I loved, or as you get older, a teenager, maybe it was a coach, almost like a mentor-type relationship that you looked up to a lot. Yet then when we enter into adulthood, most of us kind of lose that built-in influence. We don't have people in our life maybe that are older than us sharing their wisdom or speaking into us. Frankly, for most of us, we get up, we go to work, we come home, we do our best with our family or go run the marathon of a million different sports and then we get home and we go to bed. Or if we're not running around, if we're not in that stage of running around, we get home, we turn on Netflix for four hours and we go to bed. Because frankly, it's a lot easier and comfortable just to, I'm tired, watch TV than to put ourselves out there and to connect with other people. Why do we do this? It's the rut that we fall into, but we've lost those voices in our life. This is a very real conversation I overheard a year ago, and this, I think, sums up our adult interactions. Uh, two dads at Nazarek were talking to one another. Hey, man, how's life? He sounded, he sounded gruff. That's not how I normally talk, but he's like, hey, man, how's life? Ah, oh, it's good, it's good, yeah. Kids? Yeah, doing good. Work? Oh, it's busy, it's busy. We love our metaphors, don't we? Oh, lots of hats to wear, yeah. Juggling, lots of things, and yeah, it's busy. Yeah, 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 yeah. Hey, man, we should, we should hang out sometime. Yeah, yeah, we probably should, but uh, I don't know. It just feels like every night something's going on. Yeah, yeah. Hey, did you see, like, oh, did you see the new Game of Thrones episode? Oh, all eight seasons, all of them. I watched it three, four times in a row. And there was a part of me that just wanted to pause and be like, wait a minute, so we're super busy, <laughs> Yeah, we just watched, how much? And I've told you before, and I won't do this again today, even in my own doctor of spiritual formation, that I think we as a culture are giving ourselves to screens way too much today and don't impact the, we don't see uh, the impact that our scroll is having in our spiritual life. I won't go into that too much today. But I'm like, how much is it that we love to say we're busy, yet what we're really doing is prioritizing our own safety, comfortability, and isolation? Frankly, I'd rather not, so I'll just go home and sit instead. Because it's risky to involve a new relationship, and what happens if it doesn't go well? What if it happens if they're weird, or they think we're weird? We just won't engage with them. It's easier. And then in our country and in our culture today is the epidemic of loneliness. I don't really have any close friends. Depression and suicide rates, everything is on the rise. What if we were meant to live within a community? that will involve first us putting ourselves out there to love and to get to know others, but then to receive love and care from others. We need to widen the circle, not only for us, but for our kids. Ultimately, we need others in our lives to speak truth and wisdom and share the load of life with us. 
for our children, what we expose them to will shape who they will become and what they believe. Sociologists call this the law of exposure for all of us. What you are exposed to will always shape who you become and what you believe. This is seen in every little area, even the smallest of ways. Um, my curiosity was piqued this year with the Chicago Blackhawks. Uh, I've never really been a hockey fan because I grew up in Kansas. We don't have a hockey team. It's not like Minnesota where all those people are crazy and love their hockey. Uh, I didn't know much about hockey. But we moved here, and I'm like, Blackhawks, they've won some. Like, yeah, maybe I could be a fan. And then this year they drafted this child, uh, Connor Bedard, if you do follow them. He's 18 years old, and he's incredible. He looks like he's 12, and I'm scared he's going to get hurt every time he's on the ice. But I've been watching him. I'm like, is this 18-year-old going to be able to make it? So I've been turning on the game a little bit more, and oh my goodness, he scored a goal. Did you see what he did here? Who does that? Last night, did you see the wrister? It was, yeah, it was amazing. And all of a sudden, I realized, oh, I'm watching the Blackhawks. Am I a Blackhawks fan? Am I a Blackhawks fan now? And I think, I'm, I think I might be. And I'm like, Justine, we should go to a game like in the spring. This is amazing. What you watch over and over will always influence you in one way or another. For our children, what are we allowing in their circles? If we're constantly exposing them to people with bad attitudes, if we're watching things with them with over-sexualized images, or we show them a gospel of materialism, or we show them by what we do that we value a sports-only world or a scholarship-is-everything mindset, even over church, if they see prejudices or ungodly values, there's not even a question if they will drift away from the faith. What are we supposed to do? And pastor, is it really that bad? Are you gonna be super legalistic? All I would say is this. What is not a clear core conviction in one generation is an afterthought for the next. Half-hearted commitment in one generation leads to indifference and radical compromise in the next. Do our children know ultimately what's most important to us? Not just in our words, but in our actions. We can't force them to love God, but what we can do is expose them to a wider circle of people that are like us. People who love God, who love him, they wanna serve other people and love other people just as Jesus did. And if we do this, they're out of a better chance in the church to see truth and beauty and justice and mercy, all the things that our generations are crying out for that is best seen in God, you can see them in the church. So how do we help them? Parents, I would ask you, and grandparents, you know this too. When they stop listening to you, who will be in their life repeating biblical values? How do we intentionally widen their circle and put people in their circle that will repeat the biblical values when they stop listening to us. I was a youth pastor, and I know Pastor J.M., our youth pastor here, he said the very same thing. I would tell parents over and over again, you know what I feel like my role is? I wanna say the same things that you're saying at home, but because I'm younger and wear a backwards hat and they think I'm cool, which they totally am off on that, misjudge that, but because I'm different, I'm not mom or dad, they will hear it differently. And parents said, that's the greatest gift that you could give us. When we have the church, we have our youth ministries, we have our children's ministries, we have these things for your family. That is the goal, to repeat the biblical values. Maybe as an incredibly practical step for some of you today, you would ask this, how could I enlist someone that I respect to take my child out once a month to connect with them? Hey, listen, I respect you a lot. Do you think you could take my kid out to coffee once a month? 
Do you think you could buy my kid wings? For some reason, they love honey barbecue wings. Could you buy them wings once a month? You don't even have to really talk about God. I just need you to be in their life because here's the thing. One day, something's going to happen and they're not gonna wanna come to mom and dad. And I wanna make sure there's someone there that I trust that they will go to. And then when they do, I know how you're gonna respond to them. For us, it's our youth leaders, our different life group leaders. Could you enlist someone like that in your kid's life? Or generally, how am I connecting my child to a wider circle of influence? Who is in their life? And ultimately, and you know this, I would say this, we as a church are here for you. Pastor Bob in the background notes said, parenting is a dance with weakness and strength, grace and love, sufficiency and adequacy. Every day asks us to dance, with our spouse, our children, our schedules, our temptations to give up, our finances, our sickness, and teachers, students, with God and grace, and happily, if they're around us, with the church, where among the people of God are found the resources for life. Ultimately, the question becomes, do we, are we actually engaging fully in the life of the church for the sake of our families? I mean, it could be mom's groups, men's groups, other groups, counseling resources, obviously our children's and youth ministries. Ultimately, today, I want to ask you this. Your mindset towards church. Is this a place where you attend, check off the box? Oh, I went to church, did the stand-up, sit down, they sang some songs, heard a message, I left, now I must be good with God. Or is the church for you a community that you live into, where I begin to know people and love people and share the burdens of life with them? Obviously, it requires more participation than simply coming on Sundays. Yet for the generations after us who are so lonely, this is the gift of life. This is a community where we share life together, which ultimately scripture tells us to, Galatians 6, the, the role of the church. Share each other's burdens, and in this way, obey the law of Christ. Show up for one another and bear one another's burdens. Now, ultimately today, um, we say a lot of things about parents and what we do for our children, but it must start with us. It has to start with us. We're very good at doing anything for our kids and their opportunity. Oh, that's important. I will shell out how much money for the next club session, season, whatever it would be. I know camp is important for my kids, so I'll send my kids uh, to kids camp or our teens to fall retreat. I know it's important for them. But how often do we know something's important for those around us, and yet we don't do them ourselves? I heard the phrase growing up, uh, do as I say, not as I do. Anybody heard that? Do as I say, not as I do. Terrible, terrible parenting advice, by the way. Do as I say, not as I do. I believe those after us are watching us. And as a parent, I vowed, like, I'm never going to say that life. I want to live a life of integrity, so I'm never going to have to say that. I want to model the kinds of things that my kids see, beginning with the end in mind, back to week one of this series. That's who I'm going to be. Until three weeks ago. <laughs> uh, I was getting the kids ready for bed, and Shiloh, my three-year-old, it's like, Daddy... I want a snack. I want a bedtime snack. And it was, she was tired. It was a hard, emotional night. Daddy, I want a snack. And I'm like, and then she goes, I want chippies, is how she says it, like potato chips. I want some chippies. And I'm like, hey, you, you can have a bedtime snack. How about we eat a cheese stick? Uh, you had chips for dinner. Child, we do not eat chips at nighttime. Like, that's bad for you. Stop it. Like, we're not going to do that. Uh, but I'll go get you a snack. She goes, no chippies. Mm. Do, you ever, do you have that kid? They're like, when they just... You're like, oh, I'll give you whatever you want. No, 
No, I said no. And so she said, ah, and I was like, all right, I'm going to go to the kitchen. I'll get you something. So I start walking in the kitchen, walking in there. My phone goes off. I look at it, get a little distracted. I look over. I'm like, shoot, I got to do the dishes tonight. I'm getting distracted. I open the fridge door by the time I get there, and I'd pretty much forgotten what I was there for. And I'm looking, and I'm like, yeah, okay. All right, man, I'm kind of hungry. Uh, it's kind of late, but what can we have? I had a small dinner. I can have a snack. And so I, and nothing looked good in the fridge, so I closed it. And then I opened the pantry door, and I'm staring there, and I'm like, man, I'm hungry. And there, from the top shelf, the light of heaven shone down. I heard angels singing, and Lay's barbecue chips were staring back at me. And I said, that sounds amazing. So I grabbed it, and I was like, not a lot, you know, just a few here. And I was like, take a little bit out. The second I go, crunch. I heard the pantry go door. I'd step back. The door goes, and closed. And three foot three on the other side of that door is my daughter going, Dad, you said no chippies, but you're eating them. I was like, Shiloh, we don't eat chips. Here's one and have a cheese stick. Don't tell your mother. <laughs> Shoot. Do as I say, not as I do. We have to model things. Listen to me. The fastest way to drive your kids away from God is to model hypocrisy. Because your actions speak more than your words. You can say what you want to be is true or what you believe. Your actions are revealing far more for those that are watching. Your children will pick up on your faith not from what you say, but from what they see. I've said this before, if you really want to find what you value, don't say it out loud. Look at your bank account and your calendar. What you spend your money on, what you spend your time on, reveals what is important to you, and your kids see it too. We must model the faith for them. How do we widen our own circle? How do we take the first steps if we're going to be the people of integrity? First of all, today I would just ask you, who is speaking into your life? You're hearing messages from everywhere. Someone is speaking into your life. The news station that you watch, the, what you see on social media, the friends that you have, they're already speaking into your life. But what is it that they're speaking? There's a difference of having people in your life that speak wisdom and who are making noise or leading you away from God. If those around you, if they're only speaking uh, negativity or gossip or can you believe that person and this is terrible and hard and this is, how do you think that is going to affect you. We need wise voices in our lives. Where do we find them? Most people in our church find them in their life groups, but I would also say this. Who are the wise voices? Where does wisdom come from? The book of Job says it this way. Wisdom belongs to the young person who knows how to Google everything and find the answers and has got YouTube and they can find the answers now. Wisdom comes from the super successful person. No. Maybe, but no. Wisdom belongs to the aged. Understanding with those with white hair and gray hair and no hair at all. If you want to find wisdom, look to the older people. Let them speak into your life. And there's also not just the age of the number, but also spiritual life. Those who are spiritually older than you are. Can I just ask you, is there someone in your life you say, hey, listen, I'm going to humble myself and admit I don't know all the answers. Here's where I'm at in life. What do you think? How would you coach me in responding? Do you realize when we do this, 
we learn from people 20 years in, in front of us the mistakes that they have made, and they said, don't live your life this way. They have wisdom to share. Or, I did live my life in this way, and I'm reaping the benefits now. We must sit at their feet and learn, or we will do the same things that they did. But are you actively seeking out who can speak into your life? And again, to raise a family of character and courage, you need to widen your circle. And response this week is incredibly practical. For many of us this week, it's not like an emotional Jesus moment. I choose to follow Jesus or I choose to give up something I choose. But I would say this. In the practical things, if you actually apply this to your life, it will change your long-term trajectory of your life, maybe more than anything else. Enlist someone to speak wisdom into your own life. Will you meet with me? Every week, every month. Can we calendar it? Let's make it a regular thing. Will you meet with me and share wisdom? And then enlist someone to speak wisdom into the lives of those you care about. I'll say this in my own family. Most of my family can't listen to me because, oh, you're just the pastor. That's the pastor talking. It's not the brother or the, the friend. I pray for my family, but you know what I also pray for? The circle around my family. God, would you bring people into their lives that even if they won't listen to me, maybe they would listen to them. God, would you reveal your goodness, your love, and your grace and the goodness of God? Could you put someone in their circle who would point them to you? And maybe if you know them, and, you can know, and especially if you've got kids, could you actually enlist that person to be a part of their life? And finally today, and I, I think this is important to say just before we close this um, Family Matters series, the majority of people that I talk to today, whether it be parents or just individuals, most of them, if they're honest, are frazzled. They feel like they're drowning in a schedule. Feels like they're missing the mark or they're missing something in their life because there's too much going on or there's something else I should be doing or I feel too much responsibility to carry everything for work and family. It's just too much. It's overwhelming. Maybe for some, it's the lack of confidence. I've never done this before. For some, it's their own stress and mental health of stress, anxiety, and depression. It's impacting their own life and it affecting how they uh, work with their family. Maybe they feel a lack of support. Where's my family or friends here? They have their own health issues or unresolved trauma in their past. They have high expectations to be the perfect people they see when they scroll. And then it's a balancing act where they feel like they're dropping everything. Today, if that's you, when Bob wrote this in the notes, let's admit that we are not sufficient. We miss the mark often. We lack the energy for today. And we simply realize the capacity to live or to parent with near perfection is an unreal expectation. If that's you today, my reminder would be that God is here for you. In 2 Corinthians, this beautiful passage, as Paul's writing with his own afflictions, his own weakness, he writes this, each time God responded to me, my grace is all you need. My power actually works best in weakness. So now I'm glad to boast about my weaknesses so that the power of Christ can work through me. Listen, most of us are at different stages. Whether it's single or young parents or, or no kids or teenage parents or empty nesters or grandparents or whatever it may be, where's your weakness today? If you feel like you're at the end of your own capacity, God, I'm not enough. I can't do enough. 
I can't, whatever this season requires of me, I've come to the end of myself. God, I am weak. As scripture said, every time, this time included, every time God said, my grace is all you need, or a different translation, my grace is sufficient for you. It's enough. So God, I'm not enough. I can't do this. God can step in, and in our weakness, we can actually see his strength. Because when we are strong, when we have it all together, let's be honest, don't we forget about God sometimes? That passage in Deuteronomy says, remember my commands, because when you go to that land full of milk and honey, and you live in amazing houses, and you're drinking uh, wine from vineyards that you didn't plant, when life is good, you will forget me. So hold on. And when you're weak, call out to him. When we're frustrated with our kids, have we asked God's help? When we're angry or whatever it is, have we asked God's help with it? In our weakness, simple, simple prayers. God, I'm weak. I need your strength. God, I don't have the patience today. Give me it. God, I'm angry today and I'm weak. Would you be your strength? Whatever it is, simple prayers. God, would you be enough for me? Because I've often heard the phrase, I think well-intentioned people repeat it, God won't give you more than you can handle. What they're trying to say is God's going to help you. But in reality, I mean, just how I've seen it, God almost always gives us more than we can handle, doesn't he? Why? Because then in our place of need is the place we remember and turn to him. So today, if you're weak, if you're tired, frustrated if you don't have enough. Could you open your hands and say, God, I need to receive your grace today. If your strength is enough, may it be enough for me today too. Would you bow your heads, close your eyes, and pray with me? God, for many of us here today, because of the culture that we live in, we feel like we're not enough. We're overwhelmed. We're tired. We're exhausted. God, we don't just sit ourselves and feel sorry for ourselves, but in this moment, we turn to you. God, would you enter into our weakness and be the strength that we need for today and strength for tomorrow? And God, may you reveal yourself as the God who provides strength, the God who provides everything we need, so that even now in the time of our weakness, once we're through this, we will see your hand at work within us. God, help us to live, to parent, to love beyond our capacity. Help us to widen our circles, to hear from wise voices. Help us to live in community as you have designed it, and give us the grace and strength that we need for today. We love you, Jesus. We pray this in your name. Amen. Hey, thanks again for joining us for the First Naz podcast. If you're interested in what your next step in growing your relationship with God might look like, I'd encourage you to visit us at firstnaz.cc engage, or you can download our app from the app store, First Nazarene Church. And there you can let us know if you've made a decision for Jesus, or you can also find practical resources to help you grow closer to Jesus. I'd also invite you to subscribe to the podcast if you're not already to make sure that you've always got the latest content. And if you want to, feel free to share this on your social accounts. You never know who else might need to hear today's message as well. Well, thanks again for joining us. Have a great day.